G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Well, we do like to catch up with Christian Voice Australia. Greg Bondar is National Director of Christian Voice, National Think Tank and Advocacy Group for Families, Liberty and Faith. He's been thinking through some issues carefully. Hey, Greg, welcome back to 2020. Uh, Good to be back with you, Neil. Greg, let's get a bit of a focus on AI, artificial intelligence. Uh, Lots of listeners been exposed to it. Uh, Lots of listeners seeing real opportunity, some feeling a little hesitant. Uh, One of those things that you've been thinking through is whose worldview is being programmed into artificial intelligence. Uh, Give us your insights here, what you've been thinking about. Yeah, Neil, this is a real concern because... The more I look at it, as you and I both know, that artificial intelligence, AI, is the way of the future. That's what's going to happen. It will replace jobs and what have you. But concern to me is that somebody has to program any AI uh, platform. So the question that comes to me is, who is doing the programming? Because the person that does the programming will have a particular worldview, and that worldview will influence the end result. In other words, according to a Christian um, Today article I was reading, that, that, that there is an algorithm that will pick up certain words and certain uh, um, key phrases. Now, if the person that's programming a particular artificial inter- intelligence program, like, for example, chat, chat GPT, whatever it's called, What's going to happen is, will they program words that are Christian uh, Christian and generic? In other words, if I want to write an essay on God, will the artificial intelligence program allow me to use the word God, Christ, Jesus, salvation, and what have you? So that's going to be a real issue for us, Neil, and I think we need to be aware. Or will it be clever enough to be able to interpret that word God in whatever way people have in a spiritual context? Because, of course, this is all global and it may be as much Christian as it is secular, as it is every other religious viewpoint. And we just don't know yet. Your imagination can run wild, can't it, Greg? Absolutely. And see, what my concern is that will it have a Judeo-Christian worldview? I suspect not, Neil, and that really worries me because if that is the case, then how on earth are we going to get our children, our grandchildren, to be able to understand words like God, Jesus, salvation, redemption, and what have you? And if those words aren't programmed into an AI AI platform, we have real issues to contend with, Neil. The thought that no artificial intelligence is worldview-free, somebody has influenced it, and, of course, it's going to be drawing from a whole lot of wells of wisdom Mm. and information. And so you might hope that somehow or other there's as much Christian insight and input and things published uh, that can be drawn on so that the Christian worldview isn't corrupted. But 
Uh, there's no guarantees. No, none at all, Neil. And, and this is the real issue that, you know, if you have the so-called left-wing, woke-type, secular uh, view that's out there, and unfortunately it is, it is out there, if they're going to start using artificial intelligence as a means of indoctrinating the population to say there is no Judeo-Christian worldview, then we're going to have a real problem with the next generation now. Does it come down to uh, perhaps the thought that you might be able to get the right response if you're asking questions about belief, but when it comes to morality, somehow or other, and uh, some things that I've experimented with, you know, comes out with, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, touchy-feely, we'll just be mindful of everybody on every side. It doesn't necessarily take or argue for your Christian worldview position. So I imagine here asking it the right questions is going to be very important. Very important, and this is where... But we've got to make sure that the questions that we ask will be based on a Judeo-Christian worldview. If they're not, then who knows what answer we're going to get now. You're even suggesting, Greg, that there might be listeners who can add to their prayer requests before God, uh, that this is a whole big dimension that perhaps needs prayer and uh, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, both for our own usage and for those who are programming it. Oh, absolutely, Neil, because you know I'm going to put it to you this way, that if you wanted to change the mindset of the Judeo-Christian Worldview, which is prevalent in our society, we were based on that. If you wanted to change the way people think, the next generation, then one of the best ways you're going to be able to do this is through AI by programming it in such a way that it does not give a Christian worldview. And therefore, Neil, we've got to pray that the people that do these programming will will, will, will be wise enough to say well, we've got to include a Judeo-Christian worldview, and and, and I welcome everybody's prayer, Neil. There appears to be a movement, Greg, uh, in some circles to work with artificial intelligence to maximise the impact of gospel work. Uh, There are Mm. those who are going to be very clever in the way that they'll approach this. Uh, Obviously, there's going to be need for some to be a little bit concerned, uh, perhaps a bit suspicious and always a little cautious. Uh, But there are those who've got their head around AI and they're working on maximising gospel work. Any thoughts here about how you approach these things? Yep, there is, Neil. One of the things I'm going to be trying to be pushing for is I'm going to try and identify those Christian organisations that are capable of producing AI platforms so that indeed when when an artificial intelligence choice becomes available for the Christian, they, they, they select one that's been programmed by a Christian organisation or a Christian programmer or a Christian um, um, a church or whatever it might be. And that's the way we've got to make sure that we select the right uh, platform when we ever, whenever we use AI intelligence. You know. uh, is there a sense here you can't rest on your laurels and assume that you don't need to know anymore because AI knows all the answers. You still have to do your own study. You have to be, you know, across the detail. You have to know what you believe and how that looks when you're reading it uh, so that you can interpret and so that you can, uh, you know, you can discern what you're reading it and, and, uh, and participating in at the time. 
Absolutely. Look, I should give you a practical example. I'm doing some uh, casual, um, just a short-term casual uh, lecturing at Notre Dame University here in Sydney. And I told the students just the other day, this particular, I said, you can use all the Google you like, you can use all the artificial intelligence you like, but at the end of the day, it's got to be what you think and what your thoughts are, because I'll be able to tell that they're not your thoughts as quickly as possible. Because there are programs out now that will pick up anything that's been created by artificial intelligence now. You know, just to add to some of the dimensions here, because my suspicion is there's bigger dimensions to AI than most of us have considered Mm. yet. Uh, I have heard of the thought that, uh, you know, the use of deep fakes. Now, deep fakes is something we're all warned about because there's the scammers Mm. who will be using those. But if you use the same technology, I was in one conversation just recently Mm. Uh, where I heard that there are those who are contemplating how can you do what you do with one language and turn it into 50 languages. And that can happen yep. either on paper or it can happen with people and their lips moving, uh, but with different languages. So the That's possibilities it. are just huge. And so uh, there's those who are going to need to be cautious, perhaps everyone, mm. but uh, there are also opportunities they're ready for those who are able to yeah. to take those. Hey, let's move on to something else yep. and something that might even be a little bit connected because if AI mm-hmm. does have this effect of watering down our Christianity, uh, you're saying, Greg, calling yourself a Christian might mean nothing if everything's relative. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you saw... Recently, I've been watching TV and um, reading some articles, and I was watching the Oscars, you know, and uh, a couple of other things. But in particular, I noticed that there, um, that that uh, during the Oscars, uh, one of the stars who, who calls himself a Christian paraded his wife almost half naked, and he says, "I'm a Christian." Likewise, I saw the President of the United States on TV, or or was it a, uh, a, a podcast where he's supposed. He's supposed to be a Catholic, by the way, and he says that uh, it, it is close to sinful and cruel to ban puberty blockers and so-called sex change surgeries for kids. Now, really, is he supposed to be a Christian and he's all for um, sex change? I don't know. And there's an NFL star in the United States, which is interesting. He identifies a Christian. But again, as I said, he parades his wife uh, half naked. But also I I came across an article that a pornographer was uh, writing and he creates pornography and uses his wife within that pornography. But he says, listen, I still consider myself a Christian. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Neil, for goodness sakes, if this... If this is where progressive Christianity is going, we've got a huge problem with those that claim to be Christians now. A big question, isn't there? Uh, What does being a Christian mean to your actual behaviour? The advice that you give, the example that you set, the things that you teach maybe to your children, to your family, to your church, uh, in your workplace. There's a big question there because somehow or other being a Christian ought to set you apart because it is very countercultural to the way some things are moving right now. Absolutely. Now, for me, the mark of a Christian is not effortless self-identification. Rather, we need to make sure that the demand, you know, of, of, of a loving person embraces Christ 
And, and from that point of view, you know, we've got to be very careful, Neil, of trying to make Christianity what we want it to be. Uh, it's not about you. It's about the forgiveness that one receives from Christ in terms of Christianity. You know, it's a real hard issue, but I am so disturbed by this progressive Christianity argument that it's a wake-up call for all of us as Christians to be very aware. So you've got this progressive Christianity or, you know, some move to relativism, a secularizing of your faith. Um, yeah. Greg, how do you talk about the issue of hypocrisy if you don't have a quite d- well-defined way of being that person who stands for a certain level of truth? Well, that, it's a hard question, but you see, I, I'm, I'm guided by 1 Corinthians 6, 9. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, uh, you cannot be doing one thing which is non-Christian while claiming to be a true follower of Christ. In other words, you can't parade your wife half naked. You can't be selling women's bodies on pornographic shows. You cannot be a national leader and promote child genital mutilation. You can't be doing those and then at the same time claim to be a Christian because it's not a biblical worldview. And and scripturally, you know, you will be judged. And, and I think we've got to be very careful because progressive Christianity is on the march and a lot of us are being taken in by their so-called openness. And uh, it's a real threat, Neil, to our... Uh, future as Christian uh, witnesses, you know, and in particular in the work that I do. Perhaps very, very important to represent what it is to be a biblical Christian. I mean, uh, we'll talk about that a lot on this program, a Bible-believing Christian, a Mm. Bible-behaving Christian, you might even say there. But there's a bit of a trend, isn't there, just around the thought of being a spiritual person. But that's a that can mean that you don't actually hold to a particular firm foundation of truth. Yeah, I mean, I just came from a lecture on the weekend on Hinduism, you know, on how to convince Hindus to become Christian. And you see, spirituality can, you know, it's such a a wide term. It can apply to to to, to Buddhists, to to Hindus, to Muslims. We've got to be very careful, Neil, and, and this is why I'm saying the truth is in the Bible. The truth is where you find what it means to be a Christian. And I think we're just going to go back to Biblical Knowledge 101, Neil, and make sure that we read our Bible and and live by it in thought, word and deed. One of those things I think all Christians grapple with at some point in their own lives, and uh, sometimes we might reflect on that moment uh, when Jesus was not just a saviour, but Lord. And there's this submission that happens in making him Lord of your life and your whole behaviour then comes under his direction and his guidance. But in some sense here, let's come back to Jesus for a moment, Greg. Uh, It may be okay to hang out with the publicans and the prostitutes or drunks and prostitutes, but it's not okay to behave the way that they do. There's there's that sort of balance that you've got to bring in there that when you're a representative or an ambassador of Christ, mm. uh, you are his ambassador on his behaviour terms, even though mm. you might be in another circumstance where things are not quite so holy looking. That's right. Now, look, I keep saying, to, I've got a couple of friends that I know very well who are gay, and I say to them, I love you as a creation of God, but I don't love what you do, you know, and, 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 and that is my message to them in, in many ways. I will put my arms around them and say, brother or sister, 
you know, you are a creation, you're part of God's creation, but I can't agree to what you do from a biblical worldview, and uh, I'm here to help, but, you know, that's as far as I can go with my relationship with them. And there's a bit of research you've been touching on too, just very quickly. Two-thirds of Americans say we don't need faith in God to be moral, and uh, from some Pew research. How does this connect with what we've been talking about? Yeah, in particular morality. Now, this really, really worries me because if two-thirds of Americans say we don't need faith in God to be moral, okay, my question to those people is, well, where do you get your morals from? You can't be like the archer who fires fires an arrow, Neil, and then paints the target around the place it land. Uh, In other words, you can't choose what's moral for yourself and and then uh, say, oh, well, I'll get uh, help from God in in achieving it. Now, the problem is that, you know, the definition of morality is one that I take from the Bible. If everyone's going to have their own moral views or their own moral compass, my moral compass comes from my Bible, but if everyone has their own moral compass, then what, we've got, what, 8 billion people or whatever? It's going to be a nightmare. So, Neil, this is a real danger if people think that they don't need a faith in God to be moral, and I, and I draw the attention um, to the Pew Research because it makes it wonderful reading, especially for Christians who think that uh, you know they can have their own moral- morality. Well, you can't from a biblical perspective. Well, the challenge there is for everyone listening to say, where do you get your morality from? And of course, the Christian says we have a transcendent God who has revealed himself as truth and so as we look at that truth we can actually adjust our morality with something that is beyond ourselves and uh, the challenge there of Mm. course is to be able to find some other morality from some other source and it just is not easy to find and what you will find if you do look is that most of those morality sources that you might be thinking of as alternatives actually get their morality from the idea of a transcendent God and his yep. revealed word. Hey, Greg Bondar, always yep. good getting your insights. Greg is National Director of Christian Voice Australia, a national think tank and advocacy group for families, liberty and faith. Let's give the website christianvoiceaustralia.blog to connect with Greg Bondar, Christian Voice Australia. Dot blog. Greg, thanks so much for another great update today on 2020. Oh, God bless you, Neil, and thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.